It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome everyone into the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Subscribe to the YouTube page where we go live three times a week. This week it happens to be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, so don't forget. You can tune in tomorrow live on YouTube, 9 a.m. Central. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. We're going to talk most underrated performances of the weekend on today's show because it was so much to get through. But first of all, Gordon, I know you got to workout up on the site today a brand new one as a matter of fact that's right yeah we got a 10 men elite working out in boulder colorado i was shot a few weeks ago Um, went out there with my colleague jeremy hayes got a good workout they did a it wasn't a a distance based workout it was a time so they did a three minute rep then four five six seven and then back down six, five, four, three. Um, and it was just progressively harder effort as they went up and back down. And they got a little more rest as they the, the reps got longer. But it was like 60 seconds to two and a half minutes. And it looked good. Uh, it was a great workout. Boulder, Colorado got some great drone shots of them working out. And it was presented by Whoop, which is a fitness tracking device that – basically the entire 10 men elite team uh, uses and they kind of helps them keep track of not just, you know, what a Garmin watch would do with pace and all that stuff, but more about the way their body reacts to the output, the stress. So they have this thing called strain, which is pretty cool where it tells you like how hard their body is working. Cause sometimes all you know is like your heart rate where here that's more than just your heart rate. It has, different analytical data they're able to kind of calculate to kind of see where the body is with recovery and uh it seems like they've been using this technology you know religiously the past you know year or so and it's pretty cool Mm -hmm. we got some live stats on the workout to kind of show you what their heart rate is at where they Mm -hmm. are like in real time where they are in the workout so enjoy that it's up on flow track we'll put up on youtube later Maybe next week. Mm. We're one we're one week behind on putting the workouts on YouTube because I think we're going to put up the Aaliyah Miller workout on YouTube this week. But we got workouts and workouts and workouts coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's getting ready for championship season. You got to get the workouts going. So, I'm looking at these drone shots. I know how passionately you feel about drones. That must have been pretty exciting <laughs> to be on this shoot and see that drone buzzing around. 
Well, yeah, if you watch the whole, you got to watch the whole workout to the end because there's a surprise ending with the drone. Um, I won't say exactly what happens, but let's just say uh, the person who owned the drone wasn't happy at the end because of what happened. So the drone ah. crashes. Uh, surprise, surprise. So, yeah, just watch it. Don't, drone crashes. Don't, don't. Why'd you give that away? You said I'm not going to give it away, and then you just said yeah, the well, you know, drone, drone broke. Well, people now are going to want to see the drone crash. The award-winning Jay Hayes, and that drone has been on an award-winning shoot in Flagstaff, Arizona. Or uh, yeah. an NAU film. Okay, so 10-minute elite workout Wednesday is up on the site. As Gordon mentioned, the Aaliyah Miller one from last week is up on the site as well. We also have a bunch of Continental Tour meets coming up. In, well, beginning today, we have like a run of yeah. Continental Tour meets, Gordon. Samarin, uh, Huelva, Hengelo, Prague, Turku, all between now and July 8th. So you have five meets June in 8th. the span of yeah. June 8th. Excuse me. So you have five meets in the span of six days. Uh, today's meet, uh, you got Gemma Riki, you have a lot of good field event people as well too. We're expecting big people to show up uh, in Hengelo this weekend. It kind of, we were talking about this yesterday. It's like there's a bit, anytime there's a big European meet, there's meets that pop up around it. So you get a lot of people who are going to be showing up at the Diamond Leagues also running these Continental Tour events. So five five good ones in the next next week yeah live on flow track in the u.s so get some uh sit back and enjoy track and field for i guess the final week or two before we get to crunch time which would be the olympic trials which is crazy to say but we are getting really close man we're getting close to the trials it doesn't feel like it but then at the same time it does like all of a sudden i'm like wait a minute NCAs mm -hmm. is in like ten days, is in a week from now, and then yeah. the trials is right after. It's it's wild. It doesn't feel like it's happening. I don't know why. You feel <laughs> Sometimes like when happening? you wait so, no, because you wait so long for something, you never think it's going to happen, and then when it does, you're wondering where did the time go. We're so close to the trials that right now, Gordon, you're not going to believe this. I have this schedule open as a tab on mm. my computer, and I'm I'm not going to close it. I'm going to go all the way through now. So I could tell you right now, meet begins Friday, June 18th. Men's shot put qualifying at noon Pacific time. So get ready for that. First running event, women's 1500, 4.03 p.m. I'm going to have this thing internalized. Yeah, the men's 10,000 team The first is the first day, the very first day. So that is in 16 days. 16 days from now, we will know at night the three men going to represent the U.S. in the 10,000. That's how quickly this is approaching. You know what? If it's approaching quickly, Travis, can you bring up the uh, the U.S. trials uh, list, standard list in the, on the rankings tab? Now, we're obviously going to break down more and stuff, but let's go to the men's 10K. Mm -hmm. Bring it up and put it up on the screen. If if we're 16 days away, scroll back up. You're you're on the women's side, Travis. Go back up. Yeah, he's got it. Travis knows what he's doing. He's, he's just it. he's just getting stretched out. This is his first scroll in the morning. There. All right. Cool. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight men have the standard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I doubt there's going to be a fast enough performance. In the actual race, I don't think we're going to see a 27-28 final. I mean, I could be wrong, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So, 
Let's do it. We have, we're 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 allowed to change our minds, but right now, you want to make picks now? Yeah, we're just doing just a men's 10k. We're just doing a men's 10k because it's the first event out, and we just, mm-hmm. we just, we just get, get a little get a little people some get a little people some uh, some picking uh, drugs. Not drug. I'm not trying. To, you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, I uh, this this analogy is a little bit of a taste falling apart a in real time. A little taste, yes. Yeah, a little yeah. taste. All right. So you go. Who is who are your three? I mean, right now, I'd go true. I feel good about true. I feel good about I feel good about Fisher. And then I think for that third spot, I think Lamong, if we can see more, we haven't seen much. We just saw him last week. I think Lamong can Cade and Kip Sheer Cheer for that third spot. Okay, but I see this isn't good about true and Fisher. Okay, fine. True, Fisher. You asked pick three. You said six names. Come on. Okay, fine. True, true, Fisher, Kipchir, cheer. It's a tongue twister. There's three. Fisher, Kipchir, cheer. There's three. Are you going to do your three? True, Fisher, Kipchir, cheer. That's a good, that's a good, that's yeah. a good three. Am I going to do my three? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I won't. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> no. I made you do your three, so I'm going to do my three right now. My three are Fisher. For the win. Yeah. And then I think I'm gonna do Lamong and Kip Churcher. Okay. Look, it's you probably feel the best about Fisher, but then if you feel that good about Fisher, you should also probably feel pretty good about Kincaid. Because he was only second yeah. behind him in their qualifying race there. That's why I reserve the ra- the the right sixteen days from now to to change the yes. picks. Because I think I think Lamong is one of the guys who can um really improve his stock in the next few days because you know he's done it before. Obviously, we've seen him time and time again uh show up for these big meets. We just haven't seen him much and he ran and they did that weird two heat thing in the 5,000. So you didn't really get an idea of how he compared to his teammates, let alone the other people uh, in that heat. Um, so if he goes and runs something quick in the next 16 days, I think his stock could could rise the most. But it is interesting when you look at it, it's like, all right, we got um, that list is what, eight people? Yeah. Six people, something like that. It's eight. a small group. It is a small, small bit of performance in the chat. I already mentioned it. Also, Brandon asks, what's the over-under? You know, Brandon, Wait. I'm going to set that line. I will set that line for you. But I think he can do it because he constantly is able to one-up himself. So I'll set it at I'll What set was it one at of my five. bad takes? What was, was, uh, well, what was one ex- of my bad takes from yesterday? AKA a high schooler breaking a collegiate record being a new normal, which he puts very okay. succinctly well, as a bad take. Yes. I, I, I agree. I mean, I I do think that it is the new normal, but what do I know? I guess I'll, I'm going to stand by that take. That take, I think, is going to age like fine wine and not like sour milk. That's my take. I have a take about my take. My take about my take is that that's a good take. You think that that's actually going to hold up? I just think it's funny that I you're do. like you look at a, you look at a guy who breaks a record that's 20 years old, and you're like, yep, that's what's going to happen from here on out. It only happened once in the last 20 years, and now it's going to happen all the time. It's okay. It's okay. Um, 
One more thing on the 10K before we go. Kurt asks, where does Mance finish in that race? Uh, so while we're seeing this this graphic of Gordon's takes, I'm going to give my Mance take. Uh, where would Mance finish in the 10K? I think Mance is a wild card. The The problem with Mance is he's not going to have the standard. Um, yeah. But I think he'll finish top eight. Yeah. I think he'll finish anywhere between fifth to seventh. I feel so like sixth. in a lot of the sixth. If, in a lot of those distance races, there's the person who runs the valiant effort, but you know it's all for naught during the race. Yeah. Because they don't have the standard going in, and then the first quarter of the race goes out too slow, but they put together a good performance and they beat people who were ahead of them. That role, I think, in the ten thousand will be for the men will be played by Connor Mance. It it it's too yeah. good of a fit there for him. I feel like he's kind of like a Chris Derrick-esque performance. Remember Chris Derrick during his when he was in college at Stanford? Right. And he was mm-hmm. he wasn't top three, but he was running well with the, the big guys. I think he's gonna have a, a performance in that range. Underrated performances from the weekend. I'll start first with that 1500, the same 1500 that you said uh set the new normal for what high schoolers are gonna do in the United States. Henry Wynn. Henry Wynn. We're not talking a lot about Henry Wynn. We're talking about a lot about Hobbs Kessler, who finished behind him uh, for obvious reasons because he smashed the high school record. We're obviously talking about Craig Engels, who won because we're looking at a 333 and we're looking at a guy who's won a U.S. title. But we're not talking, especially in the U.S. I know that Charlie Grice was second, Jake Hayward was third. We're not talking a lot about Henry Wynn getting a 334, getting the standard knocked out, and him potentially being a wild card to make the team. Now, I know it's a 1500. I know the times are not predictive of how you're going to perform when it comes to Olympic trials through the rounds. But if we're saying that, you know, Kessler's got a shot and Kessler's going to make the final, we at least have to afford that same sort of benefit, I think, to Henry Wynn, who has obviously more experience than Kessler, ran a little bit quicker than him, former NCAA champ himself. I'm not saying he's going to make the team, but I'm saying his performance was a bit overlooked. And I think we need to, I mean, look at the, scroll down, like look at the people he beat from the U.S. Seattle uh, also underrated performance, but, you know, he beat uh, Josh Thompson in this race, right? He beat Eric Avila. Those are people who we think could factor in to the qualification picture, or at least you'd say, okay, that's a top six, seven type of guy. And I think win, wins in that group now. Yeah, the the US fifteen hundred always has one to three like solid performers that just aren't given the 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 spotlight, mainly because they're not either winning big races like a like a Craig Angles or Centro does, or they're not that up and coming impressive mm-hmm. young star like a Drew Hunter, Hobbs Kessler insert, you know your college kid who's running well and they kind of they kind of just blend in it's like it's the curse of like being like the 336 forever type guy you know like the sam prakles the johnny gagoric's henry wins Mm -hmm. they're you know they're good you know they can make finals but no one's ever gonna pick them to be top three everyone's like yeah they're top eight they're like the it's like the robert brant of 1500 right and i Mm -hmm. think it's mainly because they just don't have a lot of like 
dominant wins, right? When you're mm. really good at getting fourth in races or like just in the mix in races, it's kind of hard yeah. to like stand out. The way you stand out in our sport is running fast, young, and winning. Mm. That's like the two main things, well, right? And so, yeah, you'd also you get agree more or people. Or? No, I agree. I also think you get more attention if you win and then finish eighth as opposed to getting fourth and fourth. Because you look at wins, like look at his performance at yeah. Mount Sac. In, retros- in retrospect, it looks pretty good, right? Hoare and Knight obviously yeah. do their thing and run 333. But Wynn was third in that race, obviously top American. So he wins that second group, which is not insignificant. Beats Gregoric, Prekel, Avila, Engels, uh, and Mohamed in that race. I think he's one of those guys where if he ends up sneaking on the team, we're going to go back and we're going to look and we're like, wait, why didn't we see this? Why didn't we talk more about it? He was really solid at Portland Track Festival. He was really solid at Mount Sac. Um, but like, yeah, you get drawn to, you remember the people who win. You don't remember the people who finish third or fourth, but third gets you on the team. And everybody says, as the cliche goes, third is as good as first when it comes to the Olympic trials. So I mean, his teammate, David Ribich, says quit sleeping on this man. I am done sleeping. I have woken up to Henry Wynn. I think he's got a chance. It's just hard. You're right. The attention is going to go to Centro for good reasons, to Engels for good reasons. It's going to go to the younger guys like Hawker, like Nagus, like Kessler. If you're listing all the stories in this event, there's so many people that are going to get attention ahead of him or ahead of someone like Sieti. But from, from a practical perspective, heck, they have the standard. Now they can run completely unburdened by the pressure of trying to run quick, knowing all they got to do is is figure out how to get top three. So he jumped out at me uh, to me as someone who uh, was definitely underrated uh, coming out of this weekend. Yeah, it's. I agree with it. I, yeah, I think he's going to be like uh, the same way Johnny Gregoric made the team in what 2017. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Was it 2017 yeah, yeah, yeah. he made team? Right, you know, mm-hmm. people kind of were always all overlooking Johnny during that time, right? And then he makes a team. I think it's one of those things where it's like this in all sports: you're always going to be overlooked until you're not overlooked anymore, right? When you actually like break through, and it's in this in basketball where everyone is going to pick, you know, Brooklyn Lakers to make the finals because they're always going to see like, well, LeBron always makes it. Brooklyn has the stars we know. Like, no one is ever going to pick the new person to break through, Mm -hmm. right? Until they break it. So, like, if there's, if the Utah Jazz or Sixers were to win this year, then for the next three years, everyone will start picking them because they had, Mm -hmm. they, they now are broken through. And if Henry Wynn were to make the team this year, then for the next like three years, he's going to be like Henry Wynn. He'll be looked at in the same, eyes is like a Craig Angles. So it's one of those things yeah. where you're just not given the benefit of the doubt until you have that like marquee win or qualification. So Yeah. Well I and I think that's just the nature of sports, right? Yeah. Because there's so many people who fit into that second category and so few people and teams that fit into that first category who have done it and are proven champions. But I just think it's a whole different ball game. Like that race changed everything because going into the trials as a 336 person versus a 334 person just changes it or a 335.1 person. And I know the, yeah. 
the world rankings and might have been able to get in all that other stuff. It's just it kind of yeah. it, it changes things in my estimation. So that men's 1500 is shaping up to be pretty good. Women's mid distance. I'll talk about another person who was underrated. You talked about her a couple weeks ago, Josette Norris. You talked about after sharing that 1451 in the 5K. She keeps stacking good race on good race because now she's run a 406 1500, Gordon. And she's she's on a roll. She won this meet, the Platinum PT qualifier in Attlesboro, Massachusetts. Uh, There's some solid people in her race. Aragon, Giordano, Heather McLean, Eccleston, Abby Cooper. And and she got it done. I just think Norris is is on a roll right now. And you can't discount the hot hand. Um, she's PR'd this year and like every event that she's run, she just keeps dropping time. And I think that five is awfully tough to make any other year you think, okay, yeah, she's got uh, an incredibly good shot to do it. But even being in the conversation this year with the names that are involved is, is mighty impressive. And the 5,000, um, one of the harder events to make, but we don't know how it's going to shake out. There's plenty of question marks and Norris is doing is everything it? she can to put her, put herself in the mix. What's that? Is, is the women's 5K hardest to make? I don't know. It could actually become one of the easier teams to make. I meant, I didn't mean, sorry, hardest, hardest. No, I meant a hard team to make. Like, I would say the women's five is going to be harder than the women's 10 right now. But comparing it to the 1500, you're no. right. They're all hard. They're I don't all know. Hard to make. They're all, they're all they're hard. hard to make. Listen. Yeah. But I my I low key think that the five K is like a sweet spot for a newcomer like a Josette Norris to make a team because I don't think there's like a monster two headed punch up front where it's all only where only one person is getting that third spot the way yeah. I think I look at the fifteen hundred like that with yeah. L Perrier and. Shelby Houlihan, where it's like everyone is racing for one spot to join the other two. And I think yeah. the 10K just has a lot of depth. But the 5K is just like not going to be a true 5K because some of the best athletes are not going to be in that race. Like, let's bring up the 5K uh, standard list. And you could have a caveat for everything, right? So Shelby Houlihan, fastest mark. Won't even be in it. Carissa Schweizer, she's good, but she also had like a little off race. Hey, Shannon Roberry, she's not in 1445 shape. She's not running as well as she did in 2020. So, asterisks. Elise Cranny, she's running well. So, yeah. you have Carissa and Elise Cranny who are running well, but then Vanessa Frazier, Courtney Frerichs won't be there. Then you have Josette Norris next week. Emily Infeld, yeah. not really showing much speed. Rachel Schneider show, is looking all right, or are good. And then you have Emily Sisson, who's more of a 10K runner. Ali Bukowski, who's just as equal of a newcomer. Jenny Simpson, who ran 410 earlier this year. So, like, you start seeing more, more and more asterisks as you go down the list. And then you look at it, and you're like, all right. It's not out of question that a 1451, 406 woman can make the team if this is the type of field we got. Yes. However, my point is, in any other... Olympic cycle, we'd look at 1451 and we wouldn't have to name four or five people in front of her. That's what I'm saying. And because the 5K comes before the 10K, you're not going to get any reprieve. Like Schweizer's going to be there. I know she's in the 15 flat. Schweizer's going to come to play. 
right? We yeah. saw what Cranny did over the weekend. She ran a really solid 1500. I'm guessing she's going to run the five over the 15, but you're right. Maybe she won't. Roberry going to be solid, right? Um, Schneider going to be solid. And so there's a lot of people there that you're going to have to get by. And then there's people that you're right, that are like on her level or close to her level, like a uh, Bohowski in there, perhaps someone like, um, I don't even like, I don't know. I don't know like what, like I'm assuming Frazier's going to go to the 10, right? I'm assuming Emily Enfield's going to go all in on the 10. Are those correct assumptions? I'm not sure. But like, if you told me the team is going to be Schweizer, Cranny, Schneider, that's like a solid team. That would, yeah, that would probably be true. the most popular pick. I, I'll put it this way. She went from, Josette Norris before the season started, went from like a, what, 10,000 to one chance to make the team to now down to 50 to one, 25 to one, maybe even lower than that. Like the fact that she's even in the conversation is is absolutely bananas. I would say she's probably more in the 10 to eight to one. Okay. That's why I don't gamble. To, I mean, yeah, yeah. I I will not argue with that. That if she had fifty to one odds, you need to put your house on that, and then you have. 50 I mean, look houses. at her. She was, <laughs> she was fifteen fifty or sorry fifteen twenty nine two years ago. Her PB in the in the five thousand, in the in the fifteen hundred. Her progression goes four twenty seven, four twenty three, four twenty eight, four ten, four fifteen, four oh six. So nineteen was her best year, and she went four ten, fifteen twenty nine. This year she's gone 406, 1451. So I think going into the year, it might have actually been 10,000 to one. I'm probably completely wrong on what the odds are now, but I know what the odds would have been at the beginning of the year. And it would have been uh so long, so long. So I I I think uh I think we can't discount Gisette Norris here. Um Travis, type in uh AMC stock on Google search. <laughs> Are you saying she's must, mimicking? She's basically the current. She's going to the. She's the AMC stock of the women's fifteen slash five k. Clip, click a uh, year to date as the trend. Travis, hmm. look at it, look at this. Okay. So she 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 had she's she's basically the AMC stock of women's five k's. Right. She her stock is just going to the moon. Uh, no one was expecting AMC to be at the to be at forty dollars a share. No one was expecting Josette Norris to be a fourteen fifty one slash four oh six woman. She's going to the moon. She's forty. She's the AMC of the women's five k. Gotta love it. I so mean, the look at first, this. the first sixteen twenty one, sixteen forty six, yeah. fifteen twenty nine, and then fourteen fifty one. Yeah, I think it would be even a more dramatic uh, in increase than than AMC. There, it's just ridiculous. Uh, our next person I want to talk about. Let's go. Let's go sprints. Isaiah Young, you put him on this list. Nine eighty nine over the weekend. Beats no allows in the hundred. So here's the thing. The way to know who is going to make a team is about consistency. And Isaiah mm -hmm. Young, low key, has been one of the most consistent runners. In 2021, you look at bring up his uh, results so far this year. So he's run sub 10 three times already this year: 999, mm -hmm. 994, 
989 all win legal and then he's also run a 10o twice so he's had mm. multiple consistent non-fluky uh 100 meter performances which is what you need like it's not about running nine eight once and then 10 oh 10 10 10s the rest of your season yeah. you want a bunch of nine nines because that means you know you can get through the rounds and then, yeah, you're not going to win. Like, you're not going to be Trayvon Bromel level. But if you can go there and be able to run 994 in the third round of a 100-meter of a trials, that yeah. probably is going to be good enough to get third. It's getting crowded now. You got to feel good about Bromel. But then you have Gatlin, Baker, Young, Javon Martin. You can't discount Noah Lyles. It's going to be in a tough, tough for Noah Lyles to make this team in the 100. Yeah, dude. It is. Noah Lyles That's is just in a that race where he got beat, too. He's not right. running I mean, we, that. The 100-meter final, if you want to do a, a countdown here, Gordon, the 100-meter final is 18 days from today. June 20th, 7.52 p.m., the men's 100-meter final. There's not much left to do. Now, Lyles has done it before. So I'm not going to discount him, but it's just with Young putting his name clearly in the mix now, you have four or five guys that you could see making this team, probably maybe even six or seven, because you think one of these college kids is going to pop at NCAAs between Jovan Martin, uh, Terrence Laird, right? Like there's going to be some Michael Williams, uh, one of those American collegians is going to do something special at NCAAs, and then you're like, well, you only got to hold it for one more week. <laughs> and that, they're going to start be, they're going to start looking like a trendy pick as well, too. Um, I just, it's going to be tough, man. It is going to be tough for Lyles to get on this team. If you're Noah Lyles, do you even bother running the 100? Yes. 100%. 100%. If you're yeah. healthy. Yeah. Yeah, because that's been the goal all along. And listen, here's what you do. If you get on the team, you got a really good shot to get a medal at the Olympics because we talked about the disparity right now between the U.S. and everybody else in the men's hundred. So you would not you would not pass up that chance. And I think he's going to be confident enough in his two hundred to where he could do both. That seems like the next logical step for him. But yeah, I had him as co-favorite with Bromel going into the year. Bromel, you know, pulled away from him obviously, but now you have the rest of the, the United States closing the gap or passing him as well too you look at his hundreds this year 1008 he's yet to win a 100 final yeah 1017 1003 1010 1014 and 1005 some of those you know races were better than others some of those were obviously more important than others and had better competition but yeah yeah he hasn't won one and he hasn't broken 10 seconds this is why when I bet my house, I bet my house on him in the 200. I did not bet my house, just for the record and for the people who are in the process of contacting me about repossessing my house, it was the 200, not the 100. Please stop calling me. Do you think we're going to see, like, a eye turning, head, head turning, I don't know, like, whoa, like eye emoji... <laughs> Performance from Noah Lyles in 2021? Because we're, we're in June now, and be? we have to really see Would any... that be a PR? Would that be a PR? 
It'd be like a nineteen six or faster, a ten eight uh nine eight flat or faster. Yeah. So like the, a, a think, performance that isn't like nineteen nine or like nineteen eight eighty nine. You know? Yeah. I, I don't just know. think well he, here's the thing. He's one of those guys where the bar is really high. So yeah. you ask what's what's head turning? Well, when your PB is nineteen fifty, you're thinking, okay, well, he's got to run something at least better than nineteen fifty to be head turning. If you set the over under at nineteen seven, I would take the under by the end of the season. I think he could get there. Is he going to PR? Is he going to have a shot at the American record? Which is something that people had been talking about since Doha or prior to Doha. No, I don't think that's looking likely at this point. But things change so quick, and it's the people that are taking it like aren't look that don't look great right now sometimes are the ones who look great in the summer and then vice versa yeah. um all i know is so it's to answer your question i don't think so but it's tough to talk about two months from now when the olympics are it's a lot easier to talk about 118 days where we just had a guy beat him who's not the best guy in the u.s and run 989 and say hey it's gonna be a dogfight to get a spot in the top three. Yo, look at uh, Noel Isles' Instagram right here. This is after he ran his 19.9. Vote 19.9 for, for my first 200 of the year. Yeah, I'm cool with that. You got Knight, you know, giving a fire emoji. Hazel Clark being like, we're proud of you, mm -hmm. champ. And then you got Adam Fask underscore 10 with the Laird with the 1981 <laughs> season opener. He cool with that too. <laughs> Just like coming in hot. It's like, Jeez, uh, in the comments, just like, hey guys, I'm feeling good. And I was like, yo, watch out. And that's what I'm saying. People love young kids. It's kids mm -hmm. and people who are winning. That's who get all the attention. So that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you think there's a chance Laird could ups? I mean, we're, we might be having a conversation mm -hmm. after NCAs next week. Speaking of NCAs, we're going to go live during NCAs. Uh, on that Friday and Saturday and live right after the prelim days on Wednesday and Thursday here on YouTube. So subscribe, come back, it'd be a good time. But if Laird at NCAAs goes out and runs like 1975, so he'll run multiple 19.8s, runs at 1975, would, would he beat, do you think he could beat Lyles at the trials? That's I'm a great line. Lyles. Can he beat Lyles at the trials? I like that phrase. I'm 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 sticking with Lyles in that 200 until he is actually dethroned by somebody who runs the event. So anybody but Michael Norman, I think. If Kenny B had beaten him, we're probably having a different conversation. That race was so close. Maybe I'm putting too much stock into Lyles being able to catch Bednarik at the end. But no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put Lyles second to a collegian. Uh, right now, or even if what he if, runs nineteen seven, I mean, if he, he beats PR, yeah, I mean, then we're talking about, then we're having a different conversation. But he's got to do that first. So, okay, I just think, I think, I look at Lyles, and this is a bad comparison. I know, I understand it, but like I look at Lyles and Norman the same way, in terms of they're very confident that they're going to make the team. 
Now, Lyle's is doubling, probably. Norman's not. Norman's been winning all these 400s. Lyle's has been running a, a lot of 100s where he hasn't won. So it's not a perfect comparison. But they both seem to be taking this long approach to Tokyo. And I don't think all of a sudden they just... Like, I don't think Norman forgot how to run 43. And I don't think Lyle's forgot how to run 19.7. I think there's a reason why they're at this part of their season when they are 100 a different story because he was less proven in the 100 but if you're comparing norman in the four to Lyle's in the two i think they're both going to be fine when the time comes and i think they're going to run um near what we thought that they were capable of at the beginning of the year so that doesn't necessarily mean Lyle's is going to run a, a pr norman's going to run a pr but you know, norman's going to get to 43s and Lyle's is going to get under 19.7 we do have to say there's a caveat to what he just said. As you guys know, there's a conflict of interest for Kevin Sully because he does have his house mm-hmm. on the line yeah. for Lyle's success this summer. So mm-hmm. um, take Man, that looks like a sure bet. Salt, of course. I should have put that money on. I should have, in retrospect, should have put it on Krauser when we were talking about the house bets. I should have put it on Krauser. It just made me nervous. One throw. Maybe he fouls a couple times. Kovacs well, is really Joe good. Joe Kovacs got, is good, man. Yeah, I got it's nervous. So maybe I, maybe you don't bet your house on sports in general. Maybe that is the moral <laughs> of the story. It's not that I picked the wrong person. Is that I just shouldn't do it at all. Let's stay in the NCAA. Let's talk about the NCAA. Two, two performances here. We have – I want to give a shout-out to Stacey Ann Williams of Jamaica, who, who competes for Texas, who has the – Unfortunate distinction of competing at the same time as the thing, Mo. But Stacey Ann Williams is really, really good. 50.34 in the West prelim. And she's number 10 in the world right now, Gordon. It's just an interesting dynamic to be number 10 in the world, but only uh, second in the West region by a comfortable margin. That's, of <laughs> course, the thing. I mean, it's just crazy, right? I mean, I'm sure you can yeah. pull up other – like, you you look at the 100-meter – events as well too like you could look up oh man like uh uh jovan martin versus terrence laird those guys are two of the best in the world but it just it really stands out to me the the women's four because a thing mo generational talent there 49.68 you know williams way back in 50.34 and you're like man that's a big margin of victory and you're like oh no that's the 10th best time in the world this year and she did it at the prelim like that's faster than a lot if you scroll down the yearly list there's a lot of very good people behind her beard femke bowl who's getting a lot of attention allison felix and the list goes on and on of people who williams has run faster than so don't i'm saying don't discount her obviously she's a name for the olympics to keep an eye on uh she's a name for next year at the ncaa's to keep an eye on don't forget about the people who run second to people in all-time performances, right? Just as like the person who was second to Mondo <laughs> should always keep an eye on that. Should, you know, Cindy McLaughlin should keep an eye on that. Like these all-time performers, uh, for good reason, take a lot of the headlines. But the second place was was pretty damn good too. So, Stacey Ann Williams, don't forget her. Yeah. Always respect the second place, third place. It's hard, you know. Well, because so second to events, history. So, yeah, it's true. It's second to history. Yeah, yeah. This is tough. Yeah. So uh, uh, another collegiate, Akira Nugent, 
1109 in the 100 and then 1276 in the hurdles. She won the 60 hurdles indoors for for Baylor. So a, a pretty good double for Nugent there as well, too. And also in the hurdles, um, we should mention Tania Marshall. I don't know if we talked about her much, but she ran very fast out in the uh, out in the East region. And I think she's somebody who can we pull up the let's pull up the women's um, high hurdle yearly list. Yeah, 1244 for Marshall, a second best time in the world this year. And it's the top American time. I'm feeling good about her being on the team. But yeah, Marshall, Akira Nugent were two uh, that I want to talk about. You want to talk about Graham Blanks. Underrated performance from Graham Blanks. Can you introduce who he is to the audience if they don't know who he is? Yeah, as you see on your screen, there's Tiana Marshall, second in the world right now. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just crazy, man. Where our NCAA prelim are like where we see like top 10 world marks. It's like, mm -hmm. it's a... Yeah, that's what, I guess prelim time is PR time, right? Um, that's what I say. But, uh, what say. I know that's what you say. That's what people have been saying. Yeah, Grand Blanks. <laughs> this has definitely uh, been like under the radar, under no one really talking about. But I had no idea who Grand Blanks was. I had to look him up on Mile mm -hmm. Split. Uh, he graduated in 2020. He was he finished uh, 28th at. Uh, Nike cross in 2019, mm -hmm. right before the pandemic hit. So he was good though in cross country in 2019, his, his senior year, he was basically undefeated, won the Nike cross Southeast regional, but then finished 28th uh, at NXN. He ran like a 904, 3200 indoor in mm -hmm. 2020. And then kind of, you kind of forget about these non- Nico Young, Caitlin Tui's in the high school world, right? And mm -hmm. he he went to Harvard. He didn't get to run for Harvard, obviously, because Harvard was like, we ain't playing track uh, during COVID. So he found his way to running in professional meets, and he goes to that Boston meet, and he runs freaking 1327. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> he needs to be in my NCAA 5K. Because of all the other guys, but <laughs> enough about that. But like sub, 1327 sub, sub for a like that's three <laughs> seconds off of what Nico Young did. Yeah, and he like that's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what he's what do you take from again, this? How many, like, how many people? Man, well, you take a couple things. One, next year is going to be. Amazing. You know, you're going to graduate some of your guys out of your dream 5K, but you're just going to put them yeah. right back in there. You also wonder not having the collegiate season. It's like, oh, man, that's going to be tough to stay motivated. Well, clearly, that's not true if you're running 1327s off of this. And just as we said before, just like the second place, third place, fourth place, fifth place, 20th place people are still really good. The margins are really small at that level. You go to college, you improve a little bit, and you make that that jump up. So. Certainly one one to watch. It's pretty pretty awesome to see uh just the the depth in the NCAA five K right now, especially for people like you who uh bought stock in it very early on. One more like, uh, if you if you had to go a whole if you ran for one of these schools that were kind of like punting the NCAA season, um, you know, it happened 
think in D3, they missed all of indoors, or they missed the D3 and D2 missed all of cross, right? Now you see yeah. some schools like the Ivy League's not really doing what the rest of the, the world is doing. They're kind of just still staying hunkered down. <coughs> if you were one of those athletes, would you want to just like give up on your school and just be like, I'm out, I need to transfer immediately because I want to run? Would you be like less motivated to try to run fast and just like get out of shape because you're like, what's the point if I can never race? Or are you going to be someone like Grant Blanks who's like, oh, hey, all right, I may have nothing to run for, but I'm going to go out there and run an all-time great mark for a freshman in college. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes him even more impressive, in my opinion. It's like there's like no motivation. There's no incentive, right? Well, the, no, because their incentive is is putting a time like that, improving, getting your PR down. It's not like they're never going to compete again. I'm just, they're going to race in the fall. I'm assuming, yeah, man, but, you were you know. really close. You were really close to having a worse take than yesterday in the beginning, which was like, do you think these Ivy League kids will quit their school and re and and transfer somewhere else because they didn't get to run track in the spring? No, I think they are going to stick with it and they're going to want to stay enrolled in their Ivy League school. But then you, you pivoted to a more logical point. So I, I'm not going to give you credit or I'm not going to ding you there. I just think... You know, he sees – well, he sees the, the team, I'm sure, and the coaches are probably messaging light at the end of the tunnel here. They made the decision. They can't change the decision. So just treat this like a redshirt year, right? Run in these meets that you wouldn't get a chance to run in, and then come fall, we're going to go out and compete like we did before. So I don't think – I don't think it – had a neg I mean, if it had a negative impact and you're saying, well, he could have run even faster if he had a team, then that, that's really scary, right? It's like, well, that's what no, I'm, no, I'm, is a, I'm saying. It's impressive they Blank's did it despite his con his circumstances. That's what I'm sure. saying. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, but I'm saying what we've been looking over the last year and a couple months, we've always been looking for these hidden, you know, benefits to it, right? And you see it a lot in track. It's like just uninterrupted training. And then they came out of all this, all these canceled meets. And then they ran this P these PRs. So I don't think we can say that that uh, is or is not definitively the answer. We, we won't know. I'm just saying you get to you get to the spring season and you say, all right, my league has decided that my season's canceled, but I know by fall we'll be rolling again. I need to make sure I'm ready to go. And clearly he's a huge talent. I just think that uh, you're going to – the good people have been finding a way to continue to go and run fast, right? We even saw that last summer. We even saw that last yeah. summer. Like, it wasn't like Brazier was out there chilling. It's not like Shelby Houlihan yeah. and Christian Swizer were like, I lost my motivation. Now, this is college, so it's a little bit different. But the good people are going to keep going. The people who we thought were going to rise to the top or rise to the top. And someone like Blanks, who we didn't really know about, now has has – emerge so yeah of course i do have credit to him i do have one number to say to you though sure fifteen thousand eight hundred and eighty nine do you want to ask me what that number is fifteen thousand eight hundred and eighty nine is that the current case count in the united states no no that's the current number <laughs> of division one athletes in the transfer portal, transfer portal, fifteen thousand. Okay. 
How does that compare? I think that, well, I think that, I don't know. It just seems like a big number. And I think it's because of the pandemic, right? And I think it's because of situations with eligibility, right? With COVID eligibility, mm-hmm. you have schools that didn't get them run and you, you have all this stuff, but 15,000 athletes in the NCAA are trying to transfer. Well, that's crazy. Isn't it all, isn't it also because you have eligibility extended, right? So rosters are all yeah. impacted. So opportunities yeah. are are different. I don't think, I mean, some people are probably trying to move on from schools, but in general, I think it's probably more just a crunch here of the amount of people coming in because you got an incoming freshman class coming in and then you have people, especially for cross, that can run it back, right? The whole t- yeah. Everybody can come back if they want to from cross. It's going to be a super season. One other quick shout out. Do you Sabrina think uh, 158. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, it's fine. Before we get to Sabrina, I'm, I'm, we're having a conversations podcast. To talk about transfer, do you think, uh, like, let's talk about running it back. Like, Notre Dame, they're saying they're mm-hmm. going to run it back and cross. I mean, Oregon could be a really good cross team with Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker as a one-two punch, come be like a Cesarek Jenkins situation. NAU could run it back with all their guys. But do you yeah. think any of the college stars – won't come back who have a chance. Like, I feel like the only reason to come back is, like, if it's cool to win, like, a team title. So I'm specifically talking about Cole Hawker, Yernagus, Cooper Tier, and Luis Grijalva. Do you think those guys... And Mance. And Mance, yeah. Do you think those five to six guys will all come back to do cross? Or do you think... One or two of them will run well at the trials or make an Olympic team. And like, do you think everyone's going to come back? That's good. No, I think half of those guys will go pro. That's my feeling, which is obviously awesome for them <laughs> and fulfilling their yeah. dreams. But, but you could, you could have a situation where oh, let's add in Oregon to the mix last from you know for the team from last year now you have this emerging notre dame storyline which is fascinating you have the kip two factor of course and you have you have uh you know manson company there as well true trying to get it trying to get it back on track it would be amazing i just think i think at least half of them are gonna go pro now that is contingent on pro contracts being handed out in the same manner that they have prior to the pandemic which there's no no guarantee of that happening. There have been a bunch of pro contracts since then, obviously some high profile people have gone pro some new companies have launched entire teams. So that's a possibility. But I just think the odds are that some of those guys are going to go crazy this summer and not going to they're not gonna be able to pass up the deal. What do you think? What's your number? I think people will but I was just thinking specifically about someone like Hobbs Kessler. You know, He was recruited not as a 334, 1500-meter runner in Michigan. He was recruited as, yeah. you know, like a 410-type guy. And now all of a sudden he's, you know, even better than what Drew Hunter was. And Drew Hunter was going to go to Oregon and then decide not to, right, at the trials. He went pro. You have kind of same same situation with Hobbs Kessler. And I, I was mean, thinking, like, what, what would be like a creative – Yeah, I don't know. I was like, what what would be a creative, like – way Mike Smith would be able to still get Hobbs Kessler to come to NAU because 
right now the writing on the wall is like someone is I think someone's going to offer him a contract. He, he he's You think? I think. Yeah. And <laughs> it's going to be on Hobbs to be like, "Hey, what what do I do?" right? And this is what I think they're going to try to do. I think you get Mike Smith talking to the agents or whatever, be like, "All right. You can give him a contract, but date it January 1, 2022. Just give me one cross-country season." And then Hobbs is like, "All right, I get to go play cross-country." For the fall, and then I become a pro January 1, 2022. He doesn't even need to study because he knows by the time he's to take finals, he's already quit and he's a pro. So he can just only focus on running. That's what that's what Mike Smith is gonna need to do if, to try to get Hobbs in an NAU jersey with because you can imagine a, a a Hobbs, Nico Young, Grijalva coming back, like their team would be unreal. Uh so that's what I suggest for all you NAU fans out there is I mean, I'm wearing an NAU shirt. Because I got this when I did the, the shoot. But that's what you should do. You should, you but, should but, bargain. Listen. Hey, I just need you for one season of cross. Casey Klinger did it, and then he became a one on the Mormon mission. He just did one fall season, and then he was gone. But here with a pro contract, do Wait. the same thing. Do you think he'll get fewer offers because he's just one of many people coming? <laughs> well, they don't know I mean, that. There's going to be... There's going to be 10 Hobkessler. It's like, why pay for one Hobkessler when Gordon Mack says there's going to be 10 Hobkesslers in the next three years? Okay, your point is this. You're saying it's it's harder to leave something that you've actually signed on to and experienced than to skip something that you've never actually been a part of, right? Like, that's the point. Go there, and then you'll yeah. fall in love with it, and then it's harder to leave. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's just like Drew Hunter, commit, commit to Oregon, and then... You sign the contract before you go there and you form relationships and ties. He's, he's already training with this group. He's already training with the pro group. I think part of it is why would you want to why would you want to change up what's working for you? It's not like, oh, I'm with a run-of-the-mill high school coach in this high school program and I ran 334, which would be really an accomplishment. Uh, imagine how much better I can be when I'm in a more professional environment. It's like no, he's already in the professional environment. Why would you want to? Why would you want to change that? So I see the chances of him going and competing collegiately are really low. I don't want to, you know. I mean, I don't want to get you get you in trouble with your guy Mike, but I just don't. I don't. I mean, three thirty four, man. Three thirty four. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not talking. I mean, I I don't have any source of that. That this was. I don't. I'm not talking about it with him. But the main thing is, it's like. It kind of. You're not reporting it. No, I'm not reporting anything. I'm not a reporter. I'm just a podcaster. The uh, difference between it, 340 wild, right? and 334 is is huge. The difference between those two times is yeah a massive gulf, and it makes if you're a shoe company and you want the next great American miler, which everybody seems to want always, he's the best. He's the fastest that the United States has ever produced at that distance. Why? Why wouldn't you? But, All right, but we're gonna run out of time. Someone... We're gonna run out of time again. And I, you, you know, what I mean, we got Travis is gonna have to go soon, so we got to keep going. But okay, you okay, want to finish okay. your point? You finish your point. You have no, thirty seconds. Go. No, I'll talk about. The... No, no, no. It's fine. I'll. It's fine. We'll move on. You just want to have an ongoing Hobbs Kessler segment. Well, Sabrina Sutherland, real quick, one fifty-eight. But I want to talk about Francine Niansaba getting the Olympic standard fourteen fifty-four in the five K. Gordon, remember she had to move to this event. 
as part of the World Athletics regulations for DSD athletes. She either had to take medication to suppress her naturally produced testosterone, or she could not compete in events 400 to the mile. So she decided to move up and ran a 1454. I know you said before she can get in on world rankings and run a bunch of fast times and 3Ks, and she doesn't necessarily need to do the standard, but she did it. She got the standard and she held her own in this race. She got third in a race won by Beatrice Chabet, uh, who's been putting up some impressive marks here. Uh, she got fourth, excuse me, to, to Beatrice Chabet, 1452 to 1454. So this actually happened. This actually happened. We had talked about, hey, is she going to find her way in the Olympics? She's going to do it. She's going to be there. This pisses me off so much because it just reminds me of the, the ridiculousness of the rule that, hey, it all the, the science only matters from 400 to 1500. Uh, that makes no sense. And basically all World Athletics wants to get out of this is like, okay, yeah, you can go to the Olympics, but just make sure you don't win, right? Because they're like, because if you win, then we're going to change the rule from 400 to 5K. And they just want to have that perfect happy medium where Nisan Bai can go to the Olympics, finish eighth, and no one's going to be talking Samba. Sorry, no one's going to be talking about it, right? Because she's not winning the way Acaso Semenya won all of her races, and it just frustrates me that a talent like her, who probably could be running one fifty six right now, one fifty five, is having mm-hmm. to do this. She's going to go to the Olympics, and you know. I mean, it'll be awesome if she won. That would be the big. That would be the greatest thing. I like the one result I want in the Olympics would be her winning the five k. It would be the greatest moment I think ever because it would be a big fu to world athletics, being like, "Hey, you can't just ban humans. Like this, it's bull, bull, it's bullshit. You can't do that. Like, I, I'm not cheating. I'm not putting EPO in my body. I'm not doing anything." I'm just living. I'm just breathing the same air everyone else is breathing, and you're saying I'm not allowed to do things. Stupid. It makes no sense. Uh, so awesome that she's going to be there. It's the first step in many steps. Hopefully she gets even better at the 5K by going through the international experience at the Olympics. Then maybe she's mm-hmm. all of a sudden a 1440, 1430, and she, hey, if they if it's a slow 5K, yeah. no one's going to outkick yeah. her. No one's going to – so here's to hoping it's a slow 5K, but big ups to her for, you know, while re-ad- figuring out a way to quickly train for an event that's not her event. I mean, can you mm. imagine? I mean, when was this ruling? It was, I guess they got an extra year because the Olympics. Yeah. But like, it's been like two years. Can you imagine yeah. telling like someone like uh, Bryce Hopple? No, Bra- no, Bracer's more of a 1,500-meter run, though, too, I feel. Someone like Bryce Hopple, who's more eight. Be like, mm-hmm. hey, Hopple, I need you to run 13 flat in two years. Go. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? You Well, uh... anybody who knows Bryce Hopple knows how much he loved cross country. So that yeah. would be that'd be no, no, no sweat for him. Yeah, I think, first of all, I agree with you on everything, which is weird. I think I'm going to add a point that I deducted before on your bad take scores. I go. think the fact that she's that close to Chibet and the fact that she's dropping this much time, yeah. 
she's not just going to compete. Like she, I mean, it's still a long way yeah. to go, right? You, if you got Safan Hassan in there, you got Gudaf Sagai in there. There's going to be some big names there, and if they go hard from the gun, it's going to be hard. But it's not like she's squeaking in with a fifteen oh eight. She ran fourteen yeah, yeah. fifty four. You talked about the closing speed. Like she was close in this race to winning it, only a couple seconds back. She's there to actually to to go for a medal. And I don't think it's completely out of the question. It's obviously going to be a massive story at these games that she was able to pivot and change because of of this rule that both you and I disagree with. So this this took a turn. I'm interested to see what Semenya does as well, too. Uh, I'm sure there's other athletes. You know, we don't know that many athletes, uh, all the list of athletes who are impacted by this, because obviously it comes down to athlete privacy and whether or not they want to disclose it. But being one of the best in the world in the 800 and then being able to make uh, an event, an Olympic team in an event that is four of three events higher in terms of distance. <laughs> if you go, if you go 15 steeple and then you go to 5k or at least two events up, that's an accomplishment. That is an accomplishment just, just to be there. But I think she's going to go beyond just, just being here. This is going to be, this is going to be a, a race to watch for sure. Yeah. Hopefully, Caster can find a way to do it. I mean, Caster's kind of running out of time. She hasn't raced much. Maybe she's yeah. injured or something because she did run a 3K like a mm -hmm. month or two ago. I don't remember exactly. But, yeah, it's a big – She's Two quick things. Being, I, Francine having a big FU moment right now, and it's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, two quick things. An email here from Justin in Canada. He was happy about the fast U.S. Men's 5,000 the Portland Track Festival. But he says he has an idea for a new segment, Life Advice from Gordon Mack. Here's just one example of the many things Gordon has said during the pod that will qualify. There's usually at least one an episode. I'm paraphrasing as I don't remember the exact words. Uh, here it is. Remember to always sit in the backseat of a two-person kayak so the person in front will not know if you stop paddling. Yes. You <laughs> it's great. That's what I did with, with my girlfriend, JoJo, when we went to Antelope Canyon. I was like, oh, I'll sit in the back. And I knew, I was like, oh, because I don't want to know when I'm not paddling. Because we had to paddle like two and a half miles to get to the canyon. So, I, and it's hot. So I was just like taking my, you know, eating a snack, taking a break. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Row, row, you know. Yeah, Always yeah. a smart well, idea. Speaking of snacks, Nathaniel says, why does Gordon look like someone stole his Snickers bar? See, I don't, that makes no sense. Were what you, does that mean? Were you, were you angry? Were you angry early in the show? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I let's don't know. Let's close out. Yeah. Let's close out with something that'll make you happy. Okay. Uh, it's it's the only reason uh, Chris in the YouTube chat is sticking around. He wants to hear 60 seconds of Sixers, so I'll put time on the clock. Gordon, you may begin in five, four, three, two, one. Go. So obviously Joel Embiid, uh, hopefully all your thoughts and prayers. We need to get the podcast community to kind of rally behind Embiid's knee. Luckily, it's not his left knee it's his right knee that he hurt this time uh but i don't think this i don't think he's gonna play tonight i think the sixers are still gonna win without him and you know i don't really need much sixers talk right now because right now the sixers are kind of just going through the steps of getting through first round and then second round and then ultimately going up against brooklyn or milwaukee in the Eastern conference finals so really this whole first three weeks of playoffs I'm not really thinking much about it. I'm just chilling, waiting for these two bye. We have like basically two bye week series before we get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I was here. I was tweeting at a Sixers beat reporter. 
He's talking about the Celtics, uh, the Brooklyn's Five, net rating and four, Sixers' net rating. And look three, at that. 43.0 net rating one in the three games. Time. Let's cut his mic. Three. Thank you, Gordon. That was great. Good job tweeting Sixers beat reporters instead of doing whatever you're supposed hey, to do. Hey, he liked it. He liked the tweet. That's one like. I got one That's like. A, that is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, Jack says Wizards in seven. I agree. Wizards <laughs> oh, in seven. Oh, God. Uh, we'll be back. That happened. That would be the equivalent of like – what that would be equivalent of in track if the Wizards were to win in seven? That It'd would be, be like, like the U.S. dropping a baton. No, it's not that easy of a situation. It would be like uh, Wizards winning seven would be like me going out and training these next two weeks. No, no. Finding a way to run no. fast. Taking no, my no, no. my – 18 minute 5k and turning into 13 10 and then winning the trials that's the equivalent of wizards winning in seven no it's not I, happening yeah i i see it as a as a long shot in both circumstances but i will right, leave it there flowtrack podcast at gmail.com is the email address subscribe to the youtube channel the tinman workout is up on the site you can go to the flowtrack youtube page as well find a bunch of good content there Thanks to Elon for producing and Travis for producing. Thanks to Gordon for hitting the under on the line of bad takes for today's episode. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Thursday, 9 a.m. Central. Tomorrow. Continental Tour meets starting right about now. <laughs>